And what we just have to call Thomas Grant's erotica. Thomas Grant's erotica. Of course. Thomas Grant's erotica. Expected goals. Thomas Grant's erotica. Dog's model. Thomas Grant's erotica. Repression. Thomas Grant's erotica. PDO. Thomas Grant's erotica. 802 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. For you children in the car right now, yes, that does say Thomas Drance Harmonica. Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. This really takes a turn in this song. I don't think we've ever let it go this long. A little pan flute in the background there. I'm trying to get A-Doc a- to do his harmonica sound, but he won't do it. <laughs> I know. I, I got to be in there. I got to get into it. I can't do it off the top. You got you to gotta work your way into it. Mm-hmm. Hour, this pro- hour three of this program somehow is sponsored, given everything that just transpired over the last 90 seconds. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. And we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech. Dramatic pause there. See what I did? Let's go to the phone lines now. You are a true thespian. The Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. Thomas Drance here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drancer? Boys, good morning. Uh, you're in Boston, correct? I am in Boston. It's beautiful here. Our, our, Great weather. Is there like a palpable sense of a Stanley Cup Finals preview in the air with these two teams about to go at it this evening? <laughs> I feel like quoting your uh, your ad reads. Like, how can that be in the air? Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is a hundred percent. I'm excited too, bud. <laughs> How can it be in the air? <laughs> it's like weaponized, like a weaponized <laughs> sensation of, of two, you know, look, they're conference leading teams. I mean, I don't think it's an unfair frame, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, like, you know, I don't I don't know if um, the, the betting markets wouldn't say this is a Stanley Cup preview, but you can see it, you know, you can see it with how the Canucks are playing. I mean, what, five losses total, and they've only failed to pick up points in two of those five since, like, the start of December, since that loss to the Devils? I mean, that's an insane run. And uh, they look pretty good. They looked pretty good earlier this week against Carolina, especially in that first 25 minutes, and that Carolina Hurricanes team is a beast. So now, you know, you put up the Canucks shooting percentage up, up against Bruins goaltending, and uh <laughs> should be a fun night out in Boston. Yeah, it's a real PDO matchup tonight it, it in, really is in boston uh drancer you wrote about the fit of elias lindholm in his canucks debut um people obviously talk about the goals that he scored and whether or not he was going to fit on the power play was a big question and he seems to be mm-hmm. fitting in pretty well so far um where else do you see him as such a good fit yeah i mean i think in that game in his debut the goals matter 
a, a lot in terms of, you know, maybe it's not signal. Maybe he's not going to score two deflection goals a game. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. But to get off to a start like that, I think matters more for a player coming into a new team, especially a new team that, you know, doesn't really lose games. <laughs> I think having that immediate success matters for him. So, you know, kind of starts there. I, I do think, and you've heard Rick talk it, talk about it ad nauseum. Like I do think the lack uh, of a real presence at the net front, the lack of those deflection goals, uh, the fact that they disappeared over the course of the season, that you weren't getting some of those like backdoor tap-ins mm-hmm. that were such a staple for this club last season and such a staple for Andre Kuzmenko. You know, he went from 14 deflection goals to two, right? right? I mean, that was a huge element that they were missing on the on the power play. Well, Horvat was tipping in a bunch too, wasn't he? Horvat was tipping in a bunch. But, yeah. but what you had like for that month, for example, in November, late November, they literally like moved Miller there, right? And, you know, I think this power play is going to function best when Miller's making plays with the Bucks. So, mm-hmm. you know, that wasn't – that was like um, one of those solutions that – blows a hole in a different problem, right? Like a like a cartoon character plugging their finger into a breaking dam, right? <laughs> and having two more sprouts pop up. I mean, right. that's yeah. kind of where they were at. So Lindholm helps there. You saw Lindholm right away uh, take JT Miller effectively off the penalty kill, like take that, you know, first guy over the boards, win the draw, quick change, uh, and then play PK2 kind of role that Miller's filled. I think that helps limit his ice time, right? I think that helps... Uh, avoid stationary defensive situations for one of your best players down the stretch here. Uh, less time, you know, being put in a spot where you might have to block a shot. I think that's helpful. And then five on five, I mean, well, the one thing I'd say we didn't really see was it's not as if the Pedersen line had an extra gear. Uh, I mean, they were playing the Lindholm line, or sorry, they were playing the Ajo line. Uh, pretty, pretty heads up. Like, that was a pretty straight up matchup. And, you know, the good news is the Ajo line did nothing, right? They had two shots on goal in like 12 minutes head-to-head. But the Lindholm-Pedersen line also did nothing, right? One shot on goal. So, you know, I think there's another layer here. I don't think that was like a ceiling or a proof of concept debut for Lindholm, despite the production. I just think it was like a really solid debut where you could see all the subtle ways that he can help the club, even as he sort of finds his footing as like a five-on-five piece and driver. Uh, Drancer, what did you make of the 35-minute talk between Rick Tockett and Elias Pettersson on the ice? I, I know you don't carry around a Whisper 2000 with you so that you're able to <laughs> listen into it. There, there's an old person's drop right there. Yeah. Um, but um, does that is, is, is that is that a rarity to see? I mean, you, you watch a lot of practices. Yeah, it is a rarity to see. You, you definitely don't see an extended conversation – you know, in, in full public view on the ice like that, uh, that stretches on that long uh, very frequently. I mean, we've seen talk at have lengthy tete-a-tetes with his players. Um, you know, there was a practice earlier this season where both him and JT Miller were like 20 minutes late and, and talk had explained it as, you know, basically they got lost in conversation. Um, so, you know, I don't think it's completely uncommon for this head coach to do, but it is uncommon uh, by league-wide standards. And, you know, I, I mean – this group seems pretty tight, right? Uh, it feels relatively no drama ar- around the group. They're obviously winning games. Um, you know, they did like a full team event yesterday in Boston. Um, so you're seeing all those good signs, but it is worth remembering because we're not that far removed from it. We're only 12 months and like two weeks removed from, you know, a big reason why the Canucks hired Rick Tockett, both 
text like like this isn't subtext even this is text this is explicitly what part of the reason the organization wanted him and thought he was the guy was you know his ability to handle difficult personalities to get through to you know the the Phil Kessels of the world in terms of navigating a locker room space and holding a group accountable um so you know seeing him have extended conversations with players is a reminder I think of that genesis and and again I'm trying to present this in a way that's not like sensationalizing it but this is you know this is a big reason why for Rutherford and Alvin talk it was the guy was his ability to work with players through occasionally difficult circumstances and you know, I don't know if it was as simple as them discussing Lindholm's fit, as Rick Tockett put it, or or if there was more to it. But, you know, I think part of the reason why you, you see him occasionally have these extended conversations is, you know, I think it's the strength of his. And, and I think it's one of the reasons the, I think it's one of the reasons he's here. Hey, Drancer, you just mentioned Phil Kessel. So did Rick Dollywall on Twitter who just uh, tweeted out, for those asking, the Canucks are still poking around Phil Kessel as a UFA. Do you see any fit for Kessel on this team? Um, I don't unless you do something else. You know what I mean? Like unless, unless there's a swing that you make involving, you know, um, like Hoaglander or Garland. For me, Phil Kessel is like a little bit of like nitrous offense in your bottom six. It feels like the Canucks have, you know, not just that player, but two of those players. You know, the, the way that they're currently lined up, he feels beyond redundant, in my view. Yeah. Um, but if you were to make a deal that involves, you know, like you're chasing a big-name defenseman and it involves one of those players, then I can see it. Then, then that makes sense to me. But for me, it's like part of a multi-step move as opposed to something you do independent. Um, but, you know, if Dollywell's saying they're poking around, I'm, I'm sure they're poking around. So uh, interesting for sure. Um you know, I, I again, I, I struggle to, to see the fit there, but I also don't think he'd be coming in to, like, take a big role, right? Mm-hmm. It would sort of be um, an offensive depth piece and, and I guess maybe bring in another guy to compete with your Pew Suter, Ilya Mikheyev class guys uh, for one of those top six spots. Um, what does Ilya Mikheyev need to do in order to stay on that line with uh, Elias and Elias? Elias and Elias. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he. Well, I think he needs to score. <laughs> like that would help. He he needs to score. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it, it's worth remembering that Ilya Mikheyev's had like one of the highest shooting percentages in the league, five on five, in terms of the on ice shooting percentage since arriving in Vancouver. It's also worth remembering that he's about a career eight percent shooter who's converted on something like 12 or 13% of his shots since arriving in Vancouver. That so, was the knock in Vancouver, you know, right? He couldn't finish. In Toronto, yeah. So, sorry, in Toronto, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, it was. And in Vancouver, uh, you know, it's worked for him, right? But you don't get a lot of, like, east-west creativity out of him still. So he kind of needs to be at least an effective finisher. And yet, you know, I don't know I don't know that that's a reasonable expectation given how hot he's run for most of his Canucks tenure, right? I mean, I, I think a goal scoring drought like the one that he's on was all but inevitable um, regardless of his, you know, knee or any other context to it. So, you know, you know what you're going to get in terms of the reliable two way stuff from Mikheyev. I still think you're getting that most nights. Uh, I don't think he's out of position very much. <clears throat> I think he's good on the four check. I think he's good on the wall. Like I think you're getting the reliability stuff from him right now. What you're not getting is production and that production's not going to come in the form of assists. 
really, right? Like he, he's either scoring or he's not producing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to need to put some pucks in the back of the net here over the next five to ten games if he's going to be a staple top six winger. Um, we noticed that Linus Carlson got sent back to Abbotsford, which means I imagine that Phil DiGiuseppe is getting closer and closer if he's not yeah, already I think that's there. A safe assumption. Yeah, to be like, but is there anyone in the lineup right now that looks like a candidate to come out? I don't think so. I mean, not after not after the game against Carolina. I guess the fourth line didn't play a ton, right? I mean, they were well yeah. under ten minutes, five on five, and you know, I thought that was an area like that fourth line was sort of the one area where I thought the Carolina hurricanes regularly had an advantage in the game, right? Like, um, you know, the Aho Pedersen thing was a drop. The Miller line kind of came out ahead of the stall line. The Garland line was probably Vancouver's best five on five as, as per usual. And then the fourth line, I guess was the one area where, you know, I, I, I you know, I, if you looked at it and said, Hey, our fourth line wasn't up to snuff you know, we're going to move Lafferty to the middle and play Di Giuseppe with Oglander. I wouldn't be stunned. I wouldn't, like, backseat drive that decision. But, you know, with the way that the Canucks penalty kill played, uh, I think it's hard to take out Niels Amon, frankly. Uh, and that's sort of been a recurring theme here. So, you know, I don't, I don't know that there's anyone who's, like, a strong candidate. I, I'd be surprised if we don't see the same lineup tonight, to be totally honest with you. We'll know soon. I'm already sitting at, at uh, the TD Garden. Uh, waiting for Canucks morning skate, so we'll we'll know very shortly if there's any changes. But uh, I would I would doubt it, right? How curious are you to watch the Bruins tonight, just to see up close and in person how they've been doing this without Bergeron and Krejci? Yeah, I am excited. I mean, I think a lot of it a lot of it's been the play of their goaltenders, mm-hmm. without question. Um, you know, a lot of it's been the work of a of a pair of high-end wingers in Pasternak and Marchand who, you know, I, I think play a certain way. I don't think you should underrate the extent to which Pasternak's like one of the most unique um, offensive police pieces in this league at this point, right? I mean, just a, an absolute joy to watch. And then they've got, you know, a lot of depth and a lot of mobility on the back end, so they're able to play a team game. Um, you know, I, I think there's a pr- relatively similar profile to the Canucks, frankly, uh, that we're seeing with the Bruins in terms of you know, they're leaning on buy-in. I think Vancouver has more, like, star-star players, but, you know, Pasternak, McAvoy, and um, and Marchand isn't anything to sniff at by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then and then their tandem is just ludicrous. So, you know, I, I think this is a tough team to break down. Uh, they, they have a good level of team speed, and they have the best goaltending in hockey uh, as a one-two punch. You know, that's kind of the challenge here. That's kind of... Um, an interesting matchup in some ways because this is, you know, I, I think uh, materially like as close as the Canucks are going to face to a team that profiles as a mirror image of them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always curious to see one of those matchups. Do you think the Sabres ever look at Linus Allmark and they're like, didn't we have that guy? Yeah, I'm sure they, I mean, the, the, the Buffalo Sabres have like stolen the uh, goaltender graveyard mantle from their expansion cousins, like over the course of the past 10 years. Right. I mean, you think about like they paid, they paid heavily for Robin Leonard, right. He struggled there, dealt him and he was immediately good again. You know, like uh, the Linus Olmark thing. I mean, you, you go down the list. It's been uh, a long litany uh, of mistakes in net ever since they traded Ryan Miller. Uh, Just like uh, an unbelievable 
uh, un- unbelievable difficulty that they've had sort of filling that role. Now, I'm, I'm still in on Devin Levi. I'm holding that Devin Levi stock. So uh, hopefully they'll, their defensive play bounces back to the point where they're not, you know, hanging their goalies out to dry like the 2022-23 Vancouver Canucks and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and, and give some guys a shot here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's – yeah, there's – like, Linus, Linus Allmark's incredible. I didn't even like that deal when it got signed. Me, you know, me I, neither. I was like, they gave him that much money in term? I know. Well, and I was like, man, you lose two Karask. Like, I don't think people realize how big a lot. It's going to be really hard for this Boston Bruins team to sustain things without two Karask. And it was like the seventh time I've been wrong about that in 10 years. Dranter, thank you so much for joining us on the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. Ooh. Enjoy Boston, buddy. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk right here on Sportsnet 650 on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. A lot of things uh, happened during that call, by the way. Oh, okay. Was one of those things you're not listening to Drance at all? I listened. Were, oh, okay. I listened. Yeah, he had, yeah. had some good, good, some good zingers in there. There was a yeah. Dark Tower reference, apparently, at some point in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Drance was just kind of on like a like a TV show that was kind of half on in your room. I got the gist of it. Um so you mentioned the Kessel thing. Rick Dollywall, uh, our intrepid Canucks reporter Rick Dollywall, tweeted out during the hit that the um, there still appears to be interest from the Vancouver Canucks in Phil Kessel. Even though, like, I here's the thing. We've talked about this on numerous occasions on the show before, and you've chastised me for saying, like, yeah, bring him aboard. I just I want Phil Kessel because I think he's, like, a funny character, and <laughs> I think he's neat. I think he's, like, a potato. I just think he's neat. Like, I, you know. He's only 36. Too. I thought he was older. Right. Um, I, I, I've always been enamored with the fact that it looks like he has maybe the most unathletic body in professional sports history, and he's an incredible athlete. I think that's great. Well, he's the beginning of that meme where you send the photo to someone that doesn't follow sports, and you right. say, what does this guy do? Yeah. And it's like, oh, computer programmer. Yeah. I really? get like, I get, like right. any, yeah, I, yeah. all the stories about him in Pittsburgh. He's Substitute just, teacher. He loved to go directly from practice to the casino so he could play poker. Like, that's my mm-hmm. guy. Well, hot right? dog cart, then the casino. That's my theory on why Talkett and Kessel got along so well, yeah. by the way. They're, they're like, it wasn't, there was nothing to do with, like, Talkett really understanding Kessel's personality. I was like, do you want to go play cards? Yeah. yeah, I do. He just understood, like, we could have the worst day at the office, but as long as we're playing cards at the end of the day. <laughs> Did we just become best friends? That's right. Anyway, but I'm with you. I don't see the fit. Why are you guys so sweaty? I don't see the fit. I just don't see it at all. Yeah, no, I don't either. I, I, I don't understand it, but maybe. Who cares? Sign him. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Tockett sees something, and frankly, look, the, this organization has done so many good things this season that they've got the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. <laughs> they think it's a good idea. That's the, I'm, on, I'm, I'm on board. That's a good punctuation to the yeah. entire conversation. It's like, <laughs> it might make sense and it might not, but if they're doing it, yeah. I got 100% faith in it. Like I, I, It's weird to have faith. Trust. Trust. In, in the organization. To, trust in Jim Rutherford it. and Patrick yeah, yeah. Alvin. I have it. Implicitly. Well, and Tockett. And Tockett. Yeah. Because well, he knows he's right. the, he's the Kessel Whisperer. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, we're gonna do our what we learned. You, you know what? Why not? Let's move cow that 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 what we learned. Uh, speaking of uh, big acquisitions, trades, what have you, NBA trade deadline. The Toronto Raptors have made a very interesting move in the last half hour. They have gone out and acquired. Wait for it. Kamloops' very own Kelly Olynyk, Canadian basketball icon veteran nba and now finally a member of Canadian uh, Canada's lone NBA team. Kelly Olenek has been acquired from the Utah Jazz in a package that included a 2024 first-round pick. Now, a lot of people are saying, hold up, wait a minute. 
why are the Raptors trading a first-round pick for a guy that, although he's Canadian and you can put together all the narratives there, has a contract expiring at the end of the year? Well, did a little bit of digging while Drance was talking about, I don't know, hockey or something. Uh, it sounds as though the Raptors are determined to bring Olenek in and then extend his contract. Right. So they want to make this beyond a rental. Is this like the Ottawa Senators bringing Chris Tanev? Is this a culture thing? I guess. I mean, or is this more like the Vancouver Whitecaps trying to be Team Canada? I think there's maybe both, right. a combination, a hybrid okay. model. Um, they're very clearly trying to put something together here with the Canadian men's national basketball team because they got R.J. Barrett earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing is, is this is only two pieces of it. They should try and get SGA. I would get him. Yeah, He's good at basketball. Do you think he would cost more than a first-round draft pick? Yes, considering he's completely not going anywhere. Um, Damn. I don't know. Uh, you know, Andrew Wiggins' name has been out there. So Basketball Phil sent us what we learned a couple days ago. And kudos to Basketball Phil because he said Kelly Olenek of the Utah Jazz, now the Toronto Raptors, was one of those guys rumored to be on the move. Boom, he's on the move. I don't know if anyone saw him going to Toronto. I certainly did it. Uh, a report out of Sports Illustrated called it a quote-unquote very surprising move because a lot of teams were interested in getting Olenek. He's a good veteran guy. He's a six-man He's a big that can shoot from three, so he brings a lot of things to the table. And he's been around the NBA for forever. Mm-hmm. He's an 11-year veteran. But he's on his way to Toronto, so that's pretty interesting. Um, and the first-round pick that's going isn't the one that the Raptors have. It's a spare that they picked up. Okay. I think it's one of— Which is lying around the house. They're like, hey, we got a first-round pick in the garage. Bring it to like North it? Star Metal Recycling. <laughs> yeah. You can get Kelly Olenek or you can get 50 bucks. One of the two. Anyway. Do you know how many times I've wanted to say in your read about things lying around the house? And it was like, You. Yeah. How much do you get for a Halford? <laughs> yeah. She's lying in the basement. We got to pay them. Right Thank next you. to that electric motor. <laughs> anyway, mook out that. I got another one. Real, Yeah, I'm just firing them off. I was learning a lot while Drance was talking. Um, and and not was, from Drance. That's right. So the Four Nations Tournament, you know how they're going to announce the uh, first six players of each team this summer. Well, USA Hockey has wasted zero time in announcing who the architect of their team is going to be, Minnesota Wild general manager Bill Guerin has been named the general manager for Team USA for the Four Nations Tournament. I only mention this as noteworthy news because Bill Guerin probably has the toughest job. All due respect to whoever Team Canada's general manager is. <laughs> Bill Guerin's like, is there a salary cap? No, Seriously. thank God. Like there are there are really good players, really really good players that aren't going to make that American mm-hmm. team. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we've gone through the list, and it's like, does Dylan Larkin make Team USA? I don't know. Is Besser a lock? Is be- yeah, great question. Some people have said like, is JT Miller a lock? JT Miller's a lock. JT Miller ain't even thinking about it. Remember when we asked him about international yeah. competition? He's like, I don't care. I paraphrase. He's on pace for like 115 points this year. I think, not even I think he's going to slide in. There. Hey, yeah, yeah. all I'm saying is that there are people out there. The streets are talking. USA Hockey Streets. And uh, they've said, maybe not. I don't know. I, I don't, I, I'm not picking the team. That's Bill Guerin's problem now. Okay. Uh, Mukau me. Give us some Mukau on that. Send in your What We Learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, we're going to pick a winner soon for the Rugby Sevens tickets. So you got like two minutes to send in a good what we learned. But just with... hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. I know you hate that, but I'm not saying that JT Miller shouldn't be on the team. I think <laughs> oh, he should God. be. I don't want you yelled at. I'm having a decent day. 
So why don't you want Miller good, on the team? Everyone's uh, been in a good mood. I can't believe Halford doesn't want JT Miller on the team. You people are all jackals, and I know how you operate. Yeah. So I want – JT Miller should be on the team. If I'm, when I take over general manager duties from Bill Guerin when he inevitably gets fired, I'm putting JT Miller on the team. I, I, I don't think – he's too old. <laughs> You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show, regrettably, on Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.32 on a Thursday. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Okay. Uh, Laddie's going to go with the what we learned. The last what we learned from our side of the table. Laddie, tell us what you learned. Yeah, it's actually a, a callback to one of my previous What We Learns. I mentioned uh, to make people feel old, I talked about uh, Breeze Galov that was upcoming in the draft for the NHL. He was ranked yep. on the last central scouting list. He's coming to BC, gentlemen. Vladislav Brizgalov has announced that he's leaving his team. He's coming to play for the Alberni Valley Bulldogs oh. of the BCHL. So if you're in BC, you're out on the island. I know we get good service out on the island from our signal. Go out and see... Brzgalov's son play for the Alberni Valley Bulldogs. So what is his like outlook prospects NHL-wise? Do you know off the top of your head? It's tough to say with a young kid. If he's being ranked in the central, scout, central scouting list, it's pretty good. You know, He's obviously got a bit of a future in right. front of him, but okay. he's, he's pretty far down the list. He's 25th ranked North American. How old is he? Uh, I think he's 19. I think he's a second year of eligibility. Okay. But uh, yeah, he's seemingly like a decent enough prospect and he's making his way out to British Columbia. I know I've told this story before, but his dad was briefly in the media game. I don't think he does it anymore. And we were at an all-star game and his thing was he went up to all the NHL guys at the podium. Remember you that? You told the story like 10 days ago. You can't tell. <laughs> Cause it was again. probably when I did the other people still, but I want to bring it up because yeah. a lot of people got it wrong, especially mm-hmm. our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. What's two plus two times two, everybody. Eight. Yeah, wrong. All the all the <laughs> Americans, including Ryan Kessler, got it wrong. Yeah, Kessler got it really wrong. He was like fourteen. Yeah, yeah sixty-seven. I, I do not need to be reminded <laughs> of bed mass. I think it's two hundred and twenty-two. Yeah, he actually just responded with several letters. Yeah, which was weird. And then uh, all the European guys got it right. Anyway, mm-hmm. good one, Mukau. The answer is six. By the way, if you don't know why, I can't help you. It's an isosceles triangle. <laughs> Fire up the dot matrix. Break out some humanoid submissions for what we learned. What we learned, as always, brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at getfireplan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! A-Dog, give away some tickets. A three-day tournament pass to the Rugby Sevens at BC Place from February 23rd to 25th. 
Well, congrats to Rich with the What We Learned. Being a Kiwi dad to my two young Canadian daughters, they know how much I love my rugby, and this year they are begging me to go, so I have promised them I will take them. Getting two tickets would sure help. Cheers, guys. Rich, go Capilano Rugby Club. Canada flag, Canada flag. That delicious fruit had not one but two children. That's yeah, impressive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. I'm oh, more we're talking a, about New Zealand. Yeah, I'm more uh, of an apple dad myself. Apple dad. <laughs> uh, so have fun at the Rugby Sevens, Rich. I will maybe see you there. Uh, Mike, the urologist from Brockville, what we learned. Jack Hughes is back in action today in a crowded playoff race in the Metro Division. It'll be interesting to see if the Devils get back on track or sell off some assets, Tyler Toffoli, yep. leading up to the deadline. Yeah, the Devils, man, what a what a fallback season they've had. They did lose some key players in free agency, some defensemen, but still, the injuries that they've run into, and frankly, just some of the poor play that they've had, um, they've been one of the more disappointing teams in the NHL this season, but I still feel like they're alive in a race for a playoff spot, especially if they can get healthy. I think they're alive and I think they've got a shot at it, but I don't see it happening with that goaltending. It's awful. And I'm, I'm really surprised. I know that they had to give it a shot this year going into this season because those guys got them into the playoffs and won a playoff round last year. Right? Have like, you seen their defense though? Without, without Dougie, without Dougie and without Siegenthaler. It's not, it's not great. Too, right. Kevin ball. Is on the uh, B A H L. Yeah, yeah. Baller um, with uh, uh, shot caller. Yeah. So I mean, he's he's on the top pair according to Daily Faceoff with Simone Nemec, um, John Marino, and Luke Hughes are there. But like Luke Hughes is still young. He's yeah, still he's still he's learning. not even twenty yet, is he? Um, so it's yeah, I, it's 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 been really tough for them. They're gonna run with Nico Dawes. He's finally healthy. He's got the best save percentage of the group of goalies that they've got. They might have to. Because it just hasn't been good he, enough. He might give them league average goaltending, which I've, I, doesn't sound like much, but it's better than what they're getting. My, whenever the Devils play, it feels like every fourth or fifth game, there's a slew of tweets on my timeline talking about how they got to sort out their goaltending, right. their goaltending is letting them down. Like well, Benichek's played 30 games. Yeah, it's a consistent narrative yeah. for them, though. Mm-hmm. It's just not good enough. Uh, we mentioned Luke Hughes, brother, and, and Jack Hughes, brothers of Quinn Hughes, of course. Speaking of brothers of Vancouver Canucks, Jordan and Van, hashtag WWL, what we learned. Tyler Myers' half-brother, Quentin Grimes, has been traded from the Knicks to the Detroit Pistons. He goes from the penthouse to the outhouse. We have not done... Grimy? Grimy. We have not done a good job, and by a good job, I mean any sort of job, of covering the NBA this season collectively. But you know how people say, like, parody reigns in the NHL? It's the exact opposite in the NBA. There are so many, not poor teams, but putrid teams. There are currently... Five teams with a winning percentage of 200 or less. The Hornets, the Wizards, the Pistons, and the Spurs. Yeah. So when you say, well, what? who cares? 200 winning percentage. Put it this way. If you're a season ticket holder and you have 41 games to go to, that means you're going to see eight wins. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you went to Grizzlies games... But I went to the Grizzlies games. Mm-hmm. And you saw it, you know how you saw eight wins, I think. Yeah, you, when you're going. <laughs> like, I went one night, and I'm like, ooh, I get to see Ron Mercer in the Denver Nuggets. Like, that was because that's you're only paying attention to the visiting teams at that point. Totally. As a yeah, ticket yeah. holder. I remember seeing the Michael Jordan. Like, Michael yeah. Jordan. Like, it was, uh, he played basketball for the Chicago Bulls. We're number 23. One of the better players in the league, and, and I was very excited Nobody to see Nobody knows that. their hoopies like Jason Bruff. Um, 
Matt, not on the island, what we learned. I learned that by, this one got an actual, actual chuckle out of Halford yeah. and I. Most of the time we fake laugh, you're what we learned. <laughs> Matt, not on the island, what we learned. I learned that by signing up for a Save On More card, I have officially been entered into the 2024 CONCACAF Champions <laughs> Cup and will be playing either Deportivo Saprisa or Deportiva Toluca yeah. in the next round. Uh, these footy tournaments be crazy. So... Bruff put me on the spot. If you want to listen to it, it's in the hour one of the podcast where I was trying to explain all the different competitions that MLS. I thought this was the CONCACAF Champions League. It is. It's not. It's it's a different name. Go Google it. It's. I don't know what happened. I don't know why it's called the Cup now. It's the same competition. Oh, it's the same. I thought it was a different competition. It's just changed. So this is the this is the competition they got in by winning the Canadian Championship. Right. So it's like it's it's the next. It's like a phase of the CONCACAF Champions League. Now they're going for the cup. This isn't what? To, this isn't to be confused with the uh CONCACAF Nations League, which is a, a national team tournament. Right. It's right, also right, not right, meant right. to be confused with the League's Cup, where you also play Liga MX teams. Okay. Cause that's the difficult part. Is they played <laughs> they played Tigres last year in a competition. That wasn't the CONCACAF right. Nations League, which eventually leads to the CONCACAF Cup. I can't believe people don't know this. Like It's so obvious. Don't do Duh. what Donnie don't does. Yeah. Hey, Halford, I'm going to put you on the spot again. Oh, great. Colin and Tawasa, what we learned, SFU has eliminated their entire sports information staff, the yep. department responsible for promoting the athletics department. What does this mean for the future of university-level sports at one of BC's largest universities? Well, the my proud alma mater and the Burnaby Mountain campus has just been embroiled in turmoil as it pertains to their athletics department for, God, it feels like a long time. I guess it would be about 16 to 18 months. Obviously, the shuttling of the uh, men's football pigskin variety program. Uh, the women's soccer program was under great turmoil as well. Uh, the athletic department heads, the, the, the AD at the school, uh, was oustered. Now the sports information department has apparently been shut down almost entirely. There was a long-serving member of the sports and recreation, more on the recreational side, that uh, lost his job as well, according to a report from Steve Ewan in the province. Um, I don't know what it all means long-term. I think the most obvious knee-jerk reaction is it doesn't bode well for the future of athletics at Simon Fraser University, Mm -hmm. that it just continues to be cuts and programs being trimmed and departments being eliminated entirely. Um, they did, I mean, the, the, the crazy part is, is that it, I, I don't know when the last time you've been up there. Never, I said, never, you've never, never. okay. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, uh, I can't remember. Um, the infrastructure, both in terms of the livability, like they built an entire mini city up there. Mm-hmm. And then the athletic department, like they've got brand new facilities right. yeah, all yeah. over the place. I think that's the confusing part for and a lot of people. And tens of millions of dollars have gone into building out all of this infrastructure. Do they have new leadership there? I'm not talking about in the athletic department. I'm just talking about overall leadership that doesn't necessarily support sports. Uh, the current... Vice Chancellor is Joy Johnson. Okay. She just finished a five-term president. She got another reappointment, so she's mm. there 
long term. So whatever the case may be with whether she is in favor of adding or subtracting from the athletics department, the main takeaway is that the person where all these sort of negatives happen to the athletic department is there for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't figure to change. Like you got to imagine if the leadership has taken them to this part. Again, look, I'm trying to be as objective and as fact-based as possible. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of rumor and innuendo and a lot of the people that were dealing with the, f- the football program are obviously upset with the I, way that the athletic department has handled things i've always been frankly very confused about athletics at sfu like you never seem to know which conference they play in mm-hmm. you know which association um are they a canadian university team or do they play americans are they naia are they ncaa division two what Exactly. Are they apparently they've got a hockey team? Like I don't know. So the hockey team what... doesn't compete in at at the NCAA level. They operate as a club team. They're a club team. Yeah. Okay. Uh, SFU athletics is a division two program okay. across the board. Yeah. Um They are the lone Canadian member at the NCAA Division two level. Right. So that makes things logistically difficult. Uh, and then according to a source of Steve Young, just to put this in perspective, the athletic departments was projecting a $2.1 million deficit this season alone. You should write a check. Yeah. This check is going to bounce. Yeah. What I we learned. I would not on. cash Post-dated that. Post-dated to twenty one ninety seven. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what we learned, J-Pat posted the Canucks roster from the Bruins game a year ago, and it is remarkable how much management has been able to improve the roster in only one year. Yes. Um, some names from that game, February 25th, a 3-1 loss for the Canucks at Rogers Arena. Sheldon Dries was there. Jack Stanika was in the lineup. Atu Ratu was in the lineup. Kyle Burrows, Brisebois, Beauvillier, Ethan Bear, Wolanin, Pod Colson, wow. Kuzmenko, Silovs, and Delia were the two goalies. Yeah. I remember going Yikes. <laughs> I remember going through the roster that Rick Tock had inherited for his first game and I was, well it was no reason they or there's a reason that they were no good. Yeah. So a combination Vitali- Vitali Kravtsov could not get into the lineup. He was healthy scratch that Jack Studnika played more than half the season last year. Do you remember watching Vitali Kravtsov? He was one of the guys yeah. that I was like, I am angered by this. And people yeah. are like why are you so upset the Canucks gave up like a seventh round draft pick for this guy? I'm just like, I don't want the Canucks to be the dumping ground for these guys. We talked about being right? like, we I was so about- angry. I'm like, if you're trying to raise the bar, stop being the dumping ground for everyone who's like, well, we originally liked him. We took him in the first round, but you know, he doesn't work that hard. He doesn't really care. And the Canucks should be like, we'll take him. We'll try. Uh, so Nico went to San Jose. Do you know how long he lasted? Oh, he's not there anymore? He got sent down. Oh. He lasted nine games. So technically, he's still in San Jose. Technically in the same building, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's the nice thing about going to San Jose. You don't really get demoted. Um, He's got six points in 13 AHL games. Yeah, well, that was not to relitigate the Jim Benning era again, but there were so many instances of the Island of Misfit Toys, or as you put it, the the, the dumping bin for rejected prospects. But that's why I was frustrated. We're going to make Derek Pooley out of thing, and it's like it's not... But that's why I was frustrated with Kravtsov, because it wasn't a Benning move, right? No, I, like, I know. I don't want this to be the Canucks anymore. 
like this. Maybe he'll work out with us. Yeah, but probably not. Yeah. Um, does he help the culture when you bring in these guys? It's like, hey, we had a lot of, uh, we love the kid, but it doesn't work very hard. We did it for the culture. Just you got the jumper cool. cables out for this guy. Here's a good, yeah, question from, good question from KJ. I've never actually really thought about this one because you just brought up that you saw Michael Jordan play. Is Michael Jordan the biggest star that you've seen play live? I saw Kobe and Shaq when the Lakers came through. So that was probably the most star power I've ever seen on the court at the same time. Snoop was here, by the way. Yeah. For that well, one. I mean, that in hockey, cool. I've seen them all. Inclu- well, Crosby. Uh, all due respect. No, I saw now Gretzky. Here, yeah. Gretzky's I'm, the I'm only not. one that would have I never tra- saw Bobby Orr. Yeah. Uh, Gretzky, I saw Gretzky play. Lemieux? Yeah. yeah I, saw uh, I never Lemieux. saw Lemieux play live. Yeah. No, I saw um, Lemieux. But I think the most star power I ever saw on the court at one time was uh, Kobe and Shaq. Mm-hmm. That, like, I mean, that that's. We're talking all timers and guys that transcended sport. Right. Where would Ibrahimovic land? Globally huge, yeah. yeah. He'd be in that conversation. Like I saw him live. I guess the key is, when you see a superstar play, do you have to take into account at what phase of their career you mm-hmm. saw them yeah. play? I think you do. Because we saw Ibrahimovic doing the farewell tour. But he still looked... He was amazing. <laughs> like, so much more talented than everyone else on the pitch. Fun, fun fact about that game. Also, the worst penalty I've ever seen taken in a match at the professional level. Remember what, that? Ali Adnan tried to do a panenka. Wasn't that his first game? Yep. And yeah. it was the night where tens of thousands of people were there to yeah. see Ibrahimovic play. And he thought, now's the time where I'm going to try the panenka. <laughs> also, uh, with Ibrahimovic being better than everyone else on the pitch, does that say a lot about him or everybody else on the pitch? Maybe I mean, the latter. Yeah, I think he, he was more 37 at that yeah. point. He was still awesome. He was incredible. Yeah. He, he was like the Kovalev of soccer. Yeah. What do you think about that comparison? Yeah, he reached a higher plane mm-hmm. than really Kovalev, stick handle. But he was honestly a great stick. For handle. the kids out there, the youths that don't know, Kovalev was a, an and one mixtape before those ever existed. <laughs> he just did stuff that nobody else could do. Uh, Lincoln and Surrey, what we learn, I feel dirty saying this, but I've gained a lot of respect for Marshawn this year. He sounds like a great captain leading one of the best teams this season. It was always going to be tough filling in for Bergeron. Do you think Marshawn will ever be respected in this market? Uh, some people will mm. never, ever, 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 ever even have time to consider respecting Brad Marshawn. I have a grudging respect for Brad That's Marchand. a really good he's question, a, he's actually. A, he's a hell of a hockey player. He's like, outside of his antics, which still crop up from time to time, if you're teaching kids how to win puck battles or be a smart, responsible defensive player while at the same time having an element of creativity, you'll show them a lot of Brad Marchand clips. You just will. He's a very, very good hockey player. Yeah, but the respect question is a good one because the moment that we brought up uh, that there's not a rivalry anymore and that the only guy left from 2011 is Brad Marchand, the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket yeah. Just got yeah yeah. Just got bombarded. And that, and, with, and, and I still know, hate Marshawn. I still, so and fair good. enough. I'm glad. I, I'm glad. There's a lot of people out there that still have no time for Brad Marchand. The NHL needs more rivalry. It needs more heels. Yeah. And Marshawn, he's is on the verge of, of a few uh, milestones here. He's on three games from a thousand and uh, 91 points from a thousand. Okay, so he's pretty close to getting to some pretty uh, automatic Hall of Fame numbers there. Someone refresh my nose, his nose is nearly six inches. Yeah, that's because true. your nose keeps, keeps growing. growing. It's true throughout your life. It's nearly there. It Chet- does. That's yeah. not good. Yeah. Oh, Chet and Burnaby. Yep. I think it does. And your ears. Are you serious true? right now? 
I think so. It's going to take over my no, you're, face. You were born with your ears already being full size, and they never change. <laughs> Google that up. We got two minutes. Google it up. Do, do your, does your nose keep growing, or do your ears keep growing <laughs> as you get older? Nothing has embodied the Halford and Bruff show more than this conversation. Yeah. Is that true? You, it just it says is. your nose grows so. throughout your childhood and your teen years. It oh, stops okay. growing when the rest of your body stops growing. <laughs> <laughs> what about ears? What about ears? I know back hair. Start keeps growing as you Ooh, as you grow that's older. Too much info. Uh, Chet and Burnaby. What we learned? I learned that Vladdy Guerrero Jr. won his arbitration case. I also learned Vladdy Guerrero Jr. went to arbitration. I guess. Yeah. Uh, so he won his case and got eighteen million dollars or something like that on a one year deal. Nineteen point something. Yeah. Vladdy, um, what does the future hold for Vladdy in Toronto? Well, hopefully, a long term contract. Right. That's. Kind of the sidebar was, hey, if they don't reach arbitration, maybe they'll come together with this long-term deal before the arbitration case. That clearly didn't happen. So he gets the one-year deal. I believe he still has one more year of control, which would mean another arbitration case. Then he has basically the baseball equivalent of unrestricted free agency. Mm-hmm. Where he can but go. they can sign him to a long-term contract extension whenever, right? One year left. Arbitration cases are only one-year contracts, so they can sign him whenever they want. As soon um, as they give him the money, he will sign. Adog, you look confused. How's the ear growing? Uh, yeah, they Google don't search grow going? per se, but they do change as you age. They, get, they don't they grow. Speed. They get droopy. Yeah, they will change in shape as you age, as does your nose as you get older, mm. but they don't technically grow. Oh, I see. Okay. How does yeah. your nose change? I don't know. Get hit it's hairy. Get in the face of the puck or something. Bunch <laughs> Once of, again, bunch of bar fights. No conversation. Really encaptures the Halfwood and Rough Essence in this one, where we still haven't really come to an answer despite That's having the answer. A... They don't grow. They don't grow. They just change. You were you were led astray, bro. That's okay. Uh, just power through it. That's the key to the show. Your eyes grow just though. Keep... <laughs> <laughs> Can confirm. <laughs> Johnny Mack, uh what we will what we will learn is the Canucks trade a two thousand and twenty five first round pick to Calgary for Chris Tanev. Conditional on the Canucks winning the 2024 Stanley Cup. Otherwise, the pick drops to a second rounder. Johnny, that would have been funnier if you had said, otherwise, the pick drops to a seventh rounder. Yeah, there's a lot riding on this playoff. (laughs) Greg Conroy is a gambler and a real believer in the Canucks. So I am now aboard. If we're, because you know, we're talking about the Canucks at the deadline, like all in, all in, all in, right? Okay, push your chips in. Here's my thought Chris Tanev and Tyler Toffoli. So how do you make that happen, cap-wise? Just all the picks. 2026? No, no, no. Cap-wise. Oh, we're well, going to have to move some guys out. Right. So. Oh, yeah. just like that. Yep. So that could be Zadorov out. No, no, no. Fake some injuries. Also. Fake some injuries. Bring Mark, McKay, bring, how's that knee feeling? Bring Markstrom back to the yeah, helmet yeah. as well. That's, that would be a good one. McKay, how's the knee feeling? Not good? Yeah. No, it's fine. It's like. No, it's it's not. Wasn't a question, son. Okay, yeah. have you seen the new stairs we installed over here by the <laughs> locker room? Okay, we got to get out of here for today, but we will be back tomorrow. Why are all these banana peels here? <laughs> you asked too many questions, Elia. We got to get out of here, really, before we get in any more trouble. It's been fun. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with Ask Us Anything Friday. Signing off, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.